Let me dead in my eye. Take a play and I'ma set it on fire. My little bitch is a masterpiece. I ain't even gotta be funny when I'm telling no jokes. She still gon' laugh at me. Still suck my dick she's mad at me. Let a nigga make me mad. You see, I'm not on here. What's cracking? Big dogs. Ooh, that hurt my neck a little bit. How we doing? How we doing? Welcome, bike, to the channel. Welcome, bike, to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is B D G E. I didn't set shit up for this uh, for this live stream, so I hope things are working. I hope there's uh, people in here. I hope there are um, technical aspects that have not broken in half, like my heart. How we doing, everybody? This is a live stream. This is Q and Assault live streams where every Saturday I jump on for a half hour, an hour, whatever, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I answer any of the questions that you, you uh, may have for me. That is fantasy related. That is dynasty related. That is literally anything. Shit don't matter. Life where I got my fly ass button downs from. That was a joke. I'm sorry. All right, give me a second while I while I uh, post this link out there for y'all. We're gonna go over some some dynasty startup drafts that both of them just wrapped up. Everyone, Q and Assault is live. Come yell at me. So if you're a Patreon member, you get into our Discord channel, and then I post all the private stuff in there. Uh, that's where you'll be able to get access to this um, to this live stream. And then you could ask me any questions that you got. Let's uh let's talk some dynasty. Let's let's look at the draft boards and we can fuck around. Unless anyone in here has questions before we jump off, before we pop off, before I stop yelling. Hello. Someone stop eating, let's yell. I love that, Jake. That's big. I yelled so much in the beginning of this. Matthew. Hello, sir. Thank you for jumping in here. I thought I was a fucking uh Patreon had news. I thought I was a uh, thought it was diseased or something. No one wanted to hang out with me. Patreon has news. That's facts. Thanks, animal. There you go. I need another selling point for Patreon. I don't know. No one really actually wants to hang out with me during Cunisalt. But if you want nudes of animal, of snacks, full spread, spread eagle, they were in the ninety nine issue of Playboy. Cali dog, how we doing? We pe are we pickled? Are we fetal?ed You need to be in one or the other. Like fetal. Fetal is the f the future tense. Pickled is the present tense. We need a we need a, a spinoff adjective for the past tense. You know, like I'm pickled is right now. I'm in fetal means you were pickled about eight hours ago. Oh, we got some questions. Matthew, Matt, I'm going to be in Brooklyn tonight. Actually, I'm going to uh, I'm going to it's my friend's birthday and he rented out like a movie theater. I think it's called the Alamo Theater, maybe where it literally we rent out the whole movie theater and like you. You order drinks and food and stuff while you're watching. Um, and then I'm probably going to a party somewhere in Brooklyn afterwards, but I thought I'd let you know. Don't know why. Chenault or Pittman? Uh, I will definitely take LaVisca. We saw a stronger a stronger rookie year out of him. Um, much better situation in terms of, you know, quarterback of the future. Just an exciting offense to have a piece of. Pittman really didn't show much last year. Not that he can't, you know, not, not that I don't think he'll ever – break out or show a little something something this year because i do think ty hilton completely kind of fell off the face of the earth this year um so 
I, I would take LaVisca. I just think the upside is higher with him as an athlete, what he did in college as a producer, and just the offense that he's in. Thank you, Jared fucking Hall. This is what I said. Pickled is drunk. Fetal is hungover. We need a past tense. Bamboozled. Yeah, we used to play this game called Bamboozle in gym class. It was insane. It was amazing. It was like uh it was like combine like baseball and wiffle ball, but make it indoors. You would play it with like a, a little soft squishy ball. Obviously every gym class I was like nine for nine with ten home runs. I was pretty damn good. I'd be hitting line drives at like we had our, our high school had a big like Ah, this is kind of bad to say. I might get canceled. Uh, our high school had what they called a Nova program, which was like for mental disability kids. And uh, we also had a very big special ed sector. And uh, and those kids were in our gym class. But like, you know, you're, you're not really going to tell anything to like 16, 17 year old Nick. Like if I'm up there at Bamboozle and we got someone from the Nova program playing third base and she's, she's looking at me and she's like, Nick's, Nick's a little bitch. Like I'm creeping up to play the bunt. I'm like, listen, you, you're going to learn the hard way. What it means to take a rubber ball to the fucking nose. I mean, listen, I did it to everyone. It wasn't just them. I just felt extra bad if it was them, but I didn't, didn't stop me, you know? Mr. Brody asks, 12-team uh, super flex full PPR. Zeke, Keenan Allen, 23rd, 23 second. Ridley, Galladay, 22 third. Uh, I like I like Zeke and Keenan Allen and the, and the second. I feel like they're both um, – it's pretty even value in terms of, like, where you would be drafting them in startups. But, like, if you're in, you're close to a win-now team, like, I feel like Zeke and Allen in in, uh, in full PBR leagues are, like, the pieces that will actually win you the league. I, I'm, I'm really high on, on both guys for this year in particular. And I think both guys are guys that benefit from PPR leagues, whereas, like, a Galladay does not benefit from a PPR league. They're also getting, you know, a little bit – it's not really – doesn't move the fucking needle for me. Um, but a 20, but the second instead of the third, hold up. My phone is ringing. Hello. Yeah. So I would take the Zeke and Zeke and Allen side. Hassler was good. Nick just made this trade in my home league. I got to talk about my leagues after this. I'm going to answer like two more questions. Otherwise, people who clicked on it for the title are going to be like, what the fuck you Nick just made this trade in my home league. Galladay, Fournette, and a 23 first for Ayuk and Higgins. You gave up Galladay, Fournette, and a 2023 first. I, I like the Ayuk and Higgins side. That's like a nice foundation for the future. Like you probably got your wide receiver one and two like set for the next five years easily i'm a fan all right two more questions real quick hell yeah alamo draft house okay alamo draft house is that what it is i forgot to ask my friend where the address is i don't know where the fuck i was going uh, i'll bet spritzen house in williamsburg later all right word maybe we'll uh maybe we'll link up Being offered this other trade fresh off a startup. My side is Jamar Chase, Zach Wilson, Miles Sanders for Big Ben, Kamara, Allen Robinson, the 2022 second and third potential good move to compete. Uh, 
I'm probably taking, assuming this is a super flex, I'm guessing, um, I'm I'm probably going to take the Chase and Wilson side and Sanders side. It it is a lot of it is a lot of uh, it is a lot of firepower on the other side, Kamara and Allen Robinson, obviously. But um, I, I like I like the upside of that youth a lot. Like I like Chase and I, I like Zach Wilson a lot more than I, th- I feel like a lot of people are valuing him at, him at. So there's really no there's really no uh, scenario in which I'm like excited about trading for Big Ben. Hit the like button, fellas. Jan always looking out for me. Jan cares more about the algorithm than I do. And I do this shit for a fake living. All right, let's get these draft boards up and let's talk some... Uh, let's talk some... Dynasty. Let me skirt that out the fucking way. That's not good. We need to... <laughs> I hope no one from my hometown sees that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Animal probably saw that. Okay. 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 Let's pull up the draft boards. All right. So this was the first draft that we did. And we talked a little bit about, we talked a little bit about this draft, I believe last week. Cause I was gifted the one Oh one. I ended up moving the 101 bike to the 105, okay? And going into the draft, like, I didn't go in with the strategy. And what, what I've realized real quickly, so I did two at once. Basically, I was doing two Dynasty startup drafts at the exact same time. Both of them were peer, uh, tiered PPR. So it was half PPR for running backs, one full PPR for wide receivers, and 1.5 for tight end. So it evens out the positions because running backs are obviously valued extremely highly. Wide receivers move down the board, but in this league in particular, you're starting three wide receivers, so that makes them a little bit more valuable. Then you throw the full PPR on them, makes it a little bit, little bit, little bit even more valuable, right? So you sprinkle a little bit of value juice on top of what the wide receivers need, and then tight ends 1.5 PPR is just basically like you got a you got a fucking five for fifty game out of your tight end, and and you're looking at like a, you're looking at like RB two numbers, you're looking at like a eleven or twelve point game. So that's where I think a lot of people in these leagues. Uh, go wrong. Like if your tight end is, listen, there's tight end premium and there's tight end premiumly premium. Okay. So if it's just like a half a point more and half PPR, I'm not going to go nuts about it. But, but if you're in a league like this, where you're getting 1.5 PPR, think about what you're doing there. Think about having a second tight end in your flex spot who, again, if they go five for 50, that is what you get five points for the 50 yards. You get five points for a full PPR and then another half. So that's 12 and a half points for a five for 50 game. Um, for that five for fifty game, and how many how many RB two like you're getting that tight end where like you can get Mike Kosicki down at ten seven here right and I'm not a fan of Mike Kosicki but I feel like more often than not he's gonna give you five for fifty right that's like a, a normal game for someone who's like a top eight tight end whatever uh, the running backs that you're gonna start getting off here and like you're 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 praying that Zach Moss gives you twelve and a half points like you're hoping Damian Harris hits the upside like the guys are getting down here. I think are equal value in flex uh, in flex capacity, and you get to use them at your tight end if you have multiple tight ends, or if your tight end gets hurt or whatever. So, I'm I'm a fan of grabbing a lot of tight ends in these in these uh, in these types of drafts. But basically, the way I went into this draft, I was kind of thinking like, okay, depending on what happens in my first pick, like that's kind of going to dictate where I want to go with it. So I moved back from the 101 to the 105. Okay, and you see the names on the board as that means I traded back here. So T Rock gave me Koenig. I see you in the in the chat. You little you little shit. Um, T-Rock gave me the 105, 
next year's first, next year's third, and uh, I can't remember the pick. I think it was his 10th pick right here. So think about it. Saquon, Damian Harris, a first and a third for Pat Mahomes. And looking back on it, like maybe I should have stuck with Pat Mahomes because look at this stack I got all the way here on the side. I got fucking Miko Hardman, Byron Pringle, and Cornell Powell. And I thought about just fucking around and taking Demarcus Robinson just so I could like strictly so I can make a tweet out of it, but I didn't because that'd be a waste of a fucking pick. So uh, I moved back to the 105 and I was like, all right, fuck it. We'll take Barkley. Um, when I got down to the 212, I missed on Trey Lance. Had I gotten Trey Lance, I felt like I could actually put myself into a win now position because Trey Lance, this is uh, also 0.2 per carry. Okay. I feel like Trey Lance, yes, he might get off um, on the bench to begin the year. But there's a good chance that he's starting on the second half of the year. And that's really where you need your team to turn up if you're going to be a win-now, compete team, right? So Trey Lance I missed on. Justin Fields I have a lot less, I don't know, faith in being like an actual win-now type quarterback for for like 2021. While I have no idea who's going to end up being a better quarterback uh, overall, Fields or Lance, Lance at least gives you like once he's in the lineup, I actually feel like he's a top eight fantasy quarterback with fields. I feel like there might be struggles. I feel like he's not going to put up the running upside. So like he might actually be in the in the lineup earlier than Lance. But in terms of like actually moving the needle on your team and being an impact player for fantasy this year, I don't have a lot of uh, faith in that. So once I took fields, I was like, OK, we're going to we're going to have a young team. I think I'm going to go straight into like that productive struggle type build. Uh, and I went with Fields and I went with Pitts. I'm like, listen, if there's going to be any league that I own Pitts in, let's make it a fucking dynasty league and let's make it one that's 1.5 PPR. So I took Pitts um, and then I sat on my picks, went ETN. I went Baker Mayfield because Jordan sniped me with Zach Wilson. I wanted Wilson bad there at the 411 and I easily would have went Wilson and Travis ETN. And that would have been like, a nice, you know, you starting to mix together all these first and second year players. That's pretty much what you're doing when you're doing like a productive struggle or if you're doing a team that's going to be competing in a year or two years. You try to stack up as many future picks as possible and as many like first and second year players with a lot of value and a lot of hype around them. Because even here's the thing about, you know, first and second year players is like even if they have a down first year, they have a lot of time to uh, to, to reconcile the damage that they've done. OK, so maybe they're not good the first year doesn't mean that they're not going to be good the second year doesn't mean that they don't have a point where their trade value shoots bike up. Right. They are the AMC of dynasty drafting players. Um, then I was sitting there at the 612 and I could have went bike to bike on the wide receivers, the young wide receivers here. But I think I moved this pick for like a, a first, a future first, as well as like an eighth round pick or something. Um, so I was fine doing that, moving back two rounds and picking up a future first. And Rashad Bateman was my first wide receiver off the board. Again, though, like wide receivers, all these wide receivers in the middle rounds, just like, I don't know. They just don't really, uh, they're not like league winning type players. So it's running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks that are on my mind. James Winston, eight twelve here. Um, he was my third quarterback. We have Fields, we have Mayfield, we have Winston. This is a six point per passing touchdown league. And I will uh, admit, I will admit the biggest mistake of my draft by far and away. The only thing I really regret, um, Jordan sniped me like seven times, right? He took Trey Lance when I wanted him there and I had to settle for Fields. He took Zach Wilson when I wanted here and I had to settle for Baker Mayfield. The biggest problem with my draft was when I moved that 612 piece, when I moved the 612, I moved it here for the 8-9 and the future first. Happy getting the future. This almost felt like I was the New York Giants this year where they actually moved bike for the first time ever, right? Gettleman finally moved bike. And then they fucked up the first round pick. They took Tony. It's like nice that you got the the extra first round pick, um, but Tony, Tony, like Tony, you got intern Tony disappointing. You got Kadarius Tony disappointing. I don't know who's more disappointing, right? 
So I'm sitting there at the uh, at the eight nine, and then I have the eight twelve and nine one. And for some stupid fucking reason, I thought Elijah Moore was going to fall here. I thought Elijah Moore was going to fall to me at the eight twelve nine one turn, and I took Irv Smith over Elijah Moore. And when you're in like a productive struggle rebuild team, Elijah Moore is like literally the perfect candidate to take for that team because no one's va- his value is going to shoot up so quickly. He gets on the field as a starter and has a couple like six for 60 games and ends up going for 800, 900 yards. He's going to be one of the, you know, based on his production profile, based on his uh, athletic profile, he's going to be someone whose value just absolutely skyrockets quickly. So that was a fucking huge. That was that was the only time i look at my draft board and i'm like okay i got sniped whatever but that was a big mistake so i wish i had taken uh elijah moore over irv smith here uh and then i would have had more winston debo uh where else are the picks so i had that 10th round pick that i used in that first original trade i picked damian harris which i'm really really happy about again this is a 0.2 per carry league so um is a 0.2 per carry league and and that's big because, listen, like in half PPR leagues, obviously any type of PPR leagues, Harris takes a hit. But Carry Lee, he's going to be the starter. So he kind of makes up a little bit for what you're going to do there. Because, listen, at the, be- at, the, at the end of the day, like Harris probably is a good a good bet to get like 15 carries a game. And that basically equates to in a half PPR league, that's six catches a game. So it's like, OK, then you start to look at it that way. If you're in a point two per carry league, 15 carries ends up being three points. In a half PPR league, six catches ends up being three points. So you start to ask yourself, you know, how many running backs really catch six passes a game, right? Not that fucking many, okay? So when you start to compare Damon Harris to those running backs, it doesn't really look like that big of a uh, that big of a drop off. Um, so I think you, I think like there was a couple players here that I don't necessarily love. But Joe Mixon at the 311, I thought was a super sharp pick because in a point two per carry league, he's even if he doesn't catch a lot of passes like we've wanted him to for the last like 75 years because Gio's been annoying as shit, he's still going to get 18 to 20 carries a game. And that's a big boost over guys like Dobbins and Clyde and, uh, you know, Eckler, who we we could probably expect to get between like 10 and 14 a game. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, I just kept going with like young running backs or young wide receivers and running backs. So I went with Chase Edmonds after that at the 10-12. I thought that was fine value for him because he's still 25 years old. And what if I'm wrong about Chase Edmonds? What if he does end up being like the workhorse here this year, goes for 200 carries and uh, puts up like an Austin Eckler type year? His, his value goes up. So I took Eckler there at the 10-12. Curtis Samuel, Kadarius Tony, Henry Ruggs for my next three picks. So give me like a bunch of high upside um, early draft capital wide receivers that who knows if they're going to hit, but at least the... Uh, uh, you know, that's I, I feel like I was playing. I, I was like playing safe. I was I was playing as the house, right? Like when you sit down at a at a blackjack table, they tell you what cards to hit on, what cards not to hit on. That's that's what I felt like taking Tony and Henry Ruggs. Just felt like, oh, I have to fucking do this. So I did it, and um, then we took Ramondre Stevenson, Kellen Mond, Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert. I realized I think is the only guy I took in both of these drafts. I love Khalil Herbert. Like I really, really, really like him. I feel like for some reason he's going to be. He's going to be a player that if he's for some reason on your waiver wire in your dynasty league or if he didn't get drafted in your rookie draft, he should be picked up. Put on your taxi squad ASAP. I think he'll end up being the RB2 in Chicago like pretty quickly. Uh, What else? Yeah, I just kept going. Listen, like all these players are basically first, second, third year players. Michael Hardman, Des Fitzpatrick, Harrison Bryant, Albert, Jared Dokes. Pringle, Rudolph. I like Eno Benjamin a lot. He's a uh, late round running back. I continue to target in startup drafts. Um, Cornell Powell, Tyler Conklin. Yeah. So listen, I got that fucking stack, Scott. 
I got the Conklin Irv Smith stack. It's a god stack. Those are the two real pass catching weapons that you want in Minnesota. Uh, and that's really it. Yeah. So my team is completely in rebuild mode. So I have a bunch of young players that hopefully hit some upside here. And, uh, and then I have three first round picks next year. And I want to say probably like two seconds, two thirds. So I feel good coming away from that draft, but I know I'm not going to compete right away. No, he's not Koenig. Tyree Cohn's not even a fucking running back. Pickled and fetal. This is draft number two. You guys want me to go over the second draft or you guys not give a fuck about these? Let me know what you want in the uh Yannick, I'm not gonna lie, I went I went on to go fade me this morning to see who had Khalil Herbert, and I almost I almost made you a bullshit ass offer. I almost made you like a, I almost I almost sunk myself into making a a haymaker offer just to get Khalil Herbert for like a fourth round pick. I was like going to start throwing unnecessary ass like RB ones into the equation just because I want to cool Herbert. Like, don't do that, people. Let me know uh, real quick, like within the next fifteen seconds, if you actually care about this second draft, if you want me to go into it, or if you guys want me to uh, get bike to doing Q and A. So I'm here for y'all. I'm not here for me. I'm pretty selfish. I'm probably here for me, but maybe I could help you guys. And while we're hanging out here, um, while we're hanging out here, if you want to get into the Q and Assault next Saturday, usually these are just straight up Q and A. So any 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 questions you have personally for yourself, uh, I'll answer those. You can you can log into our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash bdge, where you will get. Um, where you'll get access to Q&A. You'll also get access to our Discord where you can join BDG, Dynasty Startup Leagues. These are both leagues that I got in from the Discord. And then uh, you got a whole bunch of shit. You got access to our rankings. You got access to every fucking thing. Everything. All right, so it doesn't look like anyone wants me to go over the second league. That's fine with me. Uh, Isaiah and Koenig both want me to rate their team. Let me look at your rosters. Dude, Sleeper is like really hard to navigate on the desktop. Uh, Isaiah B, the herd. This is hard to look at it this way. Can I go here and then switch teams? Like, no, nah, I can't even switch to a different team from here. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say Isaiah B and 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 T Rock team are both fucking trash. Trash. I'm old Greg. Scott says, uh, what type of discount should Watson go for since he's not playing in 2021? Uh, I mean, it really it really depends on like your league, I guess. Honestly, in like fade the fetal, that's that's probably a league that I should be um, that I should be trading for Deshaun Watson. Like he's if you're in a productive struggle, like he's a player that you should be trading for because you can get him. I mean, listen, he's not going to be he's not going to be like you're not going to get him at discount. Dynasty players are smart, man. Like I can't stand buy low, sell high fucking dynasty content nowadays because it's all trash. It's all like buy this guy. It'll be like a report of like a fucking fourth string wide receiver. It's like, oh, he made a good play. And people will be like, oh, buy this starting wide receiver there. It's like, dude, no one fucking does that in dynasty leagues. Maybe the big dogs dynasty leagues are just like kind of sharp. But most people, for the most part, people in dynasty leagues aren't fucking dumb. All right. So when I think about Watson, like you're still playing a premium. Most of the time people... Um, most of the time people price players at their ceiling regardless, right? Like when you're selling a player like Deshaun Watson, it, th this is how like Vegas works too, right? Vegas works in the sense that like 
most of the time when they give you odds on production or odds on like a season long prop, they almost always price it on the ceiling. And they're like, this is what he would be doing, which is why as, as, as gamblers, we get so excited about the overs because we love all these players. And it's the reason why Vegas wins because the under hits on so many season long props, because there are so many things that can go wrong um, throughout the course of a year, a player can bust a player. If a player misses two to three games, the chances of him hitting that season long prop are astronomically more difficult. And what are the chances of a player missing two to three games throughout the course of an NFL season? Very high, right? Very. All you need to do is miss one game and your season long prop is that much harder to hit. It's 10%, 15% harder to hit. So people tend to always love to gravitate towards the, the upside, the ceiling, the overs and everything. Uh, which is why it's difficult to trade for a lot of players in Dynasty. Watson is a guy that you're going to get a little bit of a discount at, but you're not going to get a crazy discount at because everyone's like, he's still Deshaun Watson when he comes. But, uh, so when I look at Deshaun Watson, um, like we can look at what Animal did, right? Animal's terrible trade the other day, giving up Russell Wilson, Alvin Kamara, and a first for Deshaun Watson. And uh, I don't remember what the fuck else he did. Stefan Diggs, maybe? Or no, that was a different league. Um so Watson is a guy, I almost think that like you're trading for him if it fits your team or the strategy that you have in the league, more so than the fact that you're getting a discount, because I don't think we're getting that much of a discount, to be honest with you. Um, so when you're looking at like a top five super flex quarterback, you're trading multiple firsts, you're trading a lesser quarterback plus a first to get up. And, and that's probably the same thing I'm looking at for Watson. Like you're not, I don't think you have to pay Josh Allen price. I don't think you have to pay like top 105 ish startup draft price, but like you're still going to have to pay pretty damn close. People will take them at the 305, the 41 in a startup draft, but then they'll sell them to you for the 112 type pricing, right? That's the thing. They'll take Burrow earlier, but then they won't give you Watson for Burrow. It's a bunch of fucking bullshit. I don't know if that was helpful at all, but I'm just angry about some shit today for no fucking reason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Khalil, the RB1 factoid. What questions we got? Cali Dog asks, Superflex League, would you trade Burrow and the 101 for T-Law and the 112? Would you trade Burrow and the 101 for T-Law and the 112? Uh... No, I'd probably keep Burrow in the 101. Almost definitely. That 101 is so fucking valuable, no matter what year it is. Even if the player is not Saquon Barkley or Trevor Lawrence, which I feel like we have a bunch of good players coming out next year. Like At worst, we have a good receiver class. We have Brees uh, Hall, Spiller. Uh, Rattler, like we we have a lot of good players coming out next year, so I think like even if people don't think those players are that high, like the pick still goes for a really unbelievably high value. And who 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 knows if if fucking Trevor Lawrence is going to be better than Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's got everything uh, there in Cincinnati to succeed, except for an offensive line, which is very important. So he doesn't actually have everything there in Cincinnati to succeed. What's going on in the Go Fade Me chat? What are you guys fucking yelling about here?
The blockbuster got postponed because Cali Dog hates the player. Okay, good talk. Oh, my God. My phone's going off again. I'm sorry for this absolutely pathetic q and I'll be back bike in a second. Drop some questions in the chat while I'm gone. How we doing? Okay. Um, I have the one cent in a startup. What's the strategy you'd go with? So basically, my my strategy in startup drafts are like I do not trade. Like we, you you'll see trades going on. We'll be in like the second round, and you'll see people flipping their like seventh and tenth round picks. I will never understand that. Um, I typically trade for two reasons. I trade if. I am on the clock and I don't want the pick or I don't see the value in the pick or I know I'm going to be able to move it for a lot of pieces or there's a player that I'm specifically eyeing and I see him continuously drop down the board. Then I make my fucking move. I'm not a person who trades for the sake of trading. Okay. Uh, so depending on what happens in the startup, I, if I have the 110, like I'm waiting until I'm on the clock and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do there. So if I have the 110 and like Saquon falls to me, I'm going to take Saquon. If I have the 110 and like Josh Allen falls to me, I'm going to take Josh Allen. If I have the 110 and the next best player on the board is like Alvin Kamara or like Joe Burrow or something, that's when I probably try to move the pick. So for me, like I'm not someone who's very reactionary uh, when it comes to like startup drafts. I don't, I don't move for the sake of moving. Uh, most people will tell you to move back, but like, again, do you want to compete like that? Your, your strategy in a dynasty league is very much up to you. I'm tip me doing like that rebuild team. The one I just showed you guys, a constructive product, whatever the fuck people in dynasty Twitter call it productive struggle, a dumb fucking name. Um, that was the first time I was like uncomfortable doing that draft, but it kind of got fun when you like let go of the reins and you're like, Oh, I don't have to compete right away. It's fun to do that. Uh, a lot of opportunity to build your team that way. Cause people are ready to give up their first round picks for the future. Like really quickly. But that's kind of like against my nature. I like to compete in every league that I'm playing in in every year. But obviously, Dynasty is a fickle, it's a fickle, fickle fucking thing. So um, basically, I will I will see what's going on when I'm on the board. And then after my first couple picks, you kind of see what your team is shaping up to be. And if you just took all rookies who are not going to be able to put you over to the top to compete, that means everybody else in the first two, three rounds were probably taking players that do put them into the area to compete immediately. Uh, so you're at a huge disadvantage off the rip. So at that point, maybe you kind of jump ship and say, hey, I'm, I'm starting to put together a, a team that will compete in a year or two. That is my ting. Uh, Nick, what's the gap in value between Zach Wilson and Tua? I mean, I, I would take Tua um, for sure. I feel like, of course, Tua is set up with the weapons there already, though Zach Wilson, Wilson doesn't seem to be too far behind. Um second year so usually we'll see quarterbacks take that jump if they haven't already here in terms of value gap uh i'm not really sure what you mean by like like value honestly like if someone offered if i had two and someone offered me zach wilson in a first i would i would make that flip um the second the second round pick is probably where it gets a little bit dicey i probably i probably wouldn't make that move i'd probably keep two if someone offered me zach wilson in a second so i think that is um I think that is probably the sorry, I just got a text.
that is um that's probably like the gap for me. I think in like startup drafts, they're probably not that far off. Where did they go in these startup drafts? Let me see. How do I find the fucking draft board? Why do they make this so difficult? Good for you. <laughs> okay, so 201 at the 4-4. Zach Wilson went at the 4-11 in this first one. So you're looking at a bit of a jump up in this in the fourth round, which I think a lot of people would probably pay between a first and a second round price, maybe two seconds to move up there, which I think is fair. And in the pickled and fetal draft, we're looking at a difference of I believe I actually drafted Tua in this one. I think I was the one who grabbed Tua. This one, I got Tua. Oh, wow. Zach Wilson actually went before Tua. So, Zach Wilson went at the 5-1. Tua went at the 5-3. Straight up, I'm going to take Tua over Zach Wilson. I don't think it's really a debate, in, in my opinion. Um, Deshaun Watson actually fell to the 4-9 in this draft. If I wasn't picking... Oh, uh, he was one he was one pick before me. I would have grabbed him if he was there. Um, but, yeah. I mean, here, here's what I look at it. Maybe you'll look at other startup drafts, and you'll see Zach Wilson go before Tua. But I'm personally taking Tua over Zach Wilson. No. Also, no. Uh, I want to say it was the what it do, what it do NYC league. That's like the anything Senate's Senate's like basically an animals, uh, an animals tier when it comes to takes. Half PPR, Jonathan Taylor, Najee, and Sutton. Um, I think that's like about even. I think it kind of depends on what your team makeup is. I feel like if you're competing now, I might take the Taylor side. Um, and if you don't really need Sutton as your wide receiver, like two or three, uh, I feel like we might get the best value out of Najee and Sutton next year, not this year, like in particular, uh, cause you know, they, they're probably a year away from actually rebuilding that offensive line in Pittsburgh or figuring out who their quarterback is. And Sutton, again, coming off the ACL terror, we typically like to take players two years removed from the ACL, not one year. Um, so that's, that's the thing about that. Love to trade a pick six rounds later than the round we're in. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in BDG dynasty leagues does makes no fucking sense. We were in like the fourth round and I saw people swapping like their 23rd and 27th for a 21st. I'm like, what, what, what's the fucking reason? Do you think it's generally better to use your draft capital to trade for the best players right before the playoffs if you are a contender or you trade for the players right before the season? Pros, cons to each. Do you use your draft capital? So like future first round picks or future second round picks or whatever for the best players right before the playoffs if you are a contender? Um, that's That's usually, in my opinion, yes. I mean, listen, like, basically listen to like think about what you just said. Like if you're at that point in the season and you're a contender, you already know the player that you're trading for as well as that you have a good team. Like if you're doing it before the season, it's all risk. Like you're giving up. Like here's the thing. That player that you're trading for, the value of that player can decline. 
right? It can go down. The value of that draft pick will at worst stay exactly the same. So there's a there's a chance that your ROI on that trade, if you do it in the beginning of the season, becomes a negative. It's obviously also a possible a possibility that it becomes a positive if the player does well. But I'm just saying, like, if 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 I'm if I am doing something like in this scenario, if I have to choose one or the other, I like a trade before the playoffs if you're a contender. Um, because you know what the player is, you know his role in the offense, you know what he's been putting up all season, so you know what you're getting in the trade, and you know what you're giving up. And it's easy to make those trades because by that time, teams that are out of the playoffs are willing to give up their win-now players for draft capital. So it's not like a, it's not like a position you put yourself in where it's someone loses the trade. It's just value being exchanged for value. But yeah, I mean, if you do it before the season, obviously your upside in that type of trade is uh, is much higher, right? Like Because you could hit on a player. If someone's like devaluing... Um, you know, something crazy happens. Like you trade, you trade like a back end of the first or like an early second round pick for Cortland Sutton, and Cortland Sutton somehow goes out and is like the wide receiver three overall in fantasy this year. The upside is there. But if you're trading for him before the playoffs, you already know what type of season he's having, right? So it's like it's more so uh, the range of outcomes for doing it right before the playoffs is like th- this is the range of outcomes for the trade in terms of win and loss. The range of outcomes for a trade preseason are like very very high. It's a 10-team league, and my receivers are pretty stacked, so he sits on my bench right now, so I'm not opposed to moving them for a first-round startup guy in JT. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really opposed to it either. Uh, 10-team makes a difference, in my opinion, when it comes to um, quarterbacks and I would say, like, tight ends for the most part. Uh, the smaller the league is the less opportunity you have to separate your skill players. Uh, like t- I think the smaller the league is, the more important it is to be buying um, like a- elite tight ends. Because it's one of the few positions that you can still maintain that positional advantage. Like if you're in an eight-team league, like that's just 16 running backs are starting. So no one's going to have a huge advantage at the running back position. Right, because you're not going to have two teams starting two top ten guys, and then two teams starting like two top twenty five guys, because everyone's starting at least two like top sixteen ish players. Um, but at the tight end position, like no matter how the league would have to be like five teams in order for the tight end positional value to to dip off. Um, so for your specific question, no, it doesn't really make a difference to me. Uh, but I'm just saying in general, l- the lower the team is, the more the positional scarcity, like the value on the top of the position matters. Are we buying Penn and ETH dip? Uh, Penn and ETH are like the two things that I that I really strongly believe in long term. Um, so I, I already have like too much, way too much fucking cash like invested in those two things. Basically, at this point, it's just like I'm not really checking them. I'm just assuming that my I'm just assuming that my assumption about them being right long term is going to happen, and I'm going to worry about that in a year from now when I can't pay rent anymore. I think what is ETH at like seventeen hundred right now? They just reported like uh, Penn's earnings or Penn's expected earnings for next quarter, and it's going to be like massive. And it didn't. I'm pretty sure Penn's stock went down. Not the, the the stock market like doesn't work anymore. Stock market doesn't. It, it's just completely new rules to the game.
what's funnier for what's funner for dynasty trade deadline or no trade deadline uh i don't enjoy enjoy not having a trade deadline i think it's stupid i think it ruins the league i like having it around like week 12 or week 13. It's like in the same sense that like you don't want someone making a dumb fucking move in a dynasty in the startup league. Like you don't want someone trading their first round future pick for someone's like 14th round startup pick. It's like it just kind of ruins the league, you know, and th there's a much higher chance of that happening if you just keep no trade de trade deadline on. Uh, thanks, Nick. That's some big brain stuff. I traded fields for three. Wow. You traded fields for three firsts. Holy shit. That's crazy. Waddle in the one. <laughs> You're asking about snacks to trade. I'll t I, I would take the dig side. I'm not, I'm not as like, I'm not as off the trade as like animal was. Cause he's just like anti Jalen Waddle. Um, I think Waddle has. I, I think Waddle's gonna have a really good year. He feels like the type of player who, like, he doesn't really need. He doesn't need to like progress as an outside receiver. Like possession receivers, I feel like take a little while to to warm up in the NFL. But Waddle's a guy who can just take a slot route. Like he's gonna be running in the slot. He's gonna he's gonna take a bunch of slot uh, receptions, just fucking break them off for thirty five yards. So I feel like his value will be pretty nice. One hundred five is obviously always nice to have as well. Um, so yeah, like I don't think it's an absurd trade, but Diggs is just so fucking good right now. Board ape NFTs are going for four. That's ridiculous. I don't even know what a board ape NFT is. I've seen them like floating around Twitter, but I don't actually know the story behind it. Seems like a terrible fucking investment, though. I keep getting offers. I've actually I started getting offers for. So the only things I really have in my wallet right now are uh, I have the CryptoPunk, which we haven't got any offers on. Uh, we're not looking. We're not selling. We're not like we're not fielding bids or anything. But we have the MeBit as well because they give you the MeBit for free. Got a couple offers on on the me bits, but nothing big. I think like the the biggest offer we got was like 0.7 ETH or something. And then my my V my my V friend uh, Gary V's NFT I bought for half an ETH, and I've got I think the last offer I got was like three two three point two ETH on it. So that's already like six X in value. I'm not gonna trade it though. Like or I'm not gonna sell. It. I probably should sell it to be honest, because that's like fucking gonna be like six thousand dollars in profit. But uh, I bought the I didn't I didn't buy the coin to trade it. I bought the coin because I actually want to go to fucking VCon. His uh, his conference that he's gonna put on. Considering your take on Anthony Lynn limiting Swift's upside, am I tripping? <laughs> my tripping cock. I've never heard that phrase before. My tripping Cox for valuing a guy like Ceh similarly similarly to him even in Dynasty. At least having them closer than you in your Dynasty ranks. Yeah, I I think that's fine. Like I, that's not that's not something where I'm like. That's absurd, right? Because a lot of people really like Ceh. If you're someone who like personally, subjectively likes Hyde Edwards Hilaire, then sure, like they could be. I'm, I'm sure there are people that have Ceh over Dynasty, uh, over Swift straight up, um, in Dynasty. And I really couldn't blame you because the most important years of a, of a Dynasty player's value is like is these. It's on his rookie contract, right? Second, third, fourth year are like the prime years for a rookie running back, and uh, the situation for Ceh is just so much better than DeAndre Swift's right now. It's just a lot of the Dynasty Twitter community. Um, just looks at Swift as a player whose ceiling is really fucking high because of his like athletics and what he what he did in college. And I, I mean, obviously he was amazing in college for a long time. Um, 
So it's like you look at him and you're like, okay, CH doesn't have that ceiling because he's just not the elite athlete. He's the guy who took a while to break out and he, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like it's like ceiling versus actual ceiling, like ceiling projected theoretical ceiling versus like what you can actually expect as a ceiling for the next two to three years. And I think realistically, CH probably takes the cake in that one. But what if something happened? Like if Jamal Swift, uh, Jamal <laughs> Jamal Swift be a great fucking player. Jamal Williams just goes down in week two, like DeAndre Swift could end up being a 315 touch guy by default and then be a fucking beast, right? Um, CEH is already in the realm of people who should be getting that opportunity. Like he should have that already, right? If you're going to tell me that uh, you put Swift in the Chiefs backfield, right, with the op- with the competition that CEH has, and it's not even a fucking question. You're taking Swift because of the profile, because of the athletics, uh, athleticism, the pass catching, like all that shit. So it's like the player, player to player, Swift is is better, but you just can't go too hard outside of the actual situation he's in. Yes. All right, y'all. We have hit the 45-minute mark. Um, Steve's coming over a little bit, in a little bit, to film Why You Yelling in like an hour and a half or so. And then we're going out into Brooklyn tonight. Um, Any of you guys have questions for us on Why You Yelling? Before I dip off, we, we're, we're going to start probably doing a, Q, a Q&A or a and assault section of Why You Yelling, but we send it out via the, the texting platform. But I figure while I have you guys here, if you have any questions for us, we can uh, we can rip into that. Otherwise, uh, that's going to conclude Q and Assault this week. Again, if you want access to the live chat, as you can see, it's a very intimate, a very sexual conversation that I get to have with y'all. Uh, it's literally just like ten of us. It's kind of embarrassing to be honest with you, but it's fun. It's my it's probably like my ten favorite people in the Big Dogs community. Um, but yeah, you can get in here and be number fucking eleven, twelve, thirteen. Uh, patreon.com forward slash bdge it'll get you a whole ton of perks that you could read about on the uh on the patreon page before you sign up uh make sure you hit the thumbs up button if you enjoyed make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new we're covering everything dynasty redraft all that bullshit forever uh i love you and i'm out